Welcome to the Cochrane Community Church Podcast. We're so happy that you're joining us, and we look forward to how Jesus will impact your life through this message. See, at Cochrane Community Church, our mission is simple. We want to share the love of Jesus so that our families, our community, the next generation, and the world will know Him as Savior. And this means that we strive to be a loving, Christ-centered community of believers. We just want to say thank you so much again for taking the time to tune into this episode. And at this time, please sit back and relax and enjoy this week's episode. Every time we sing that last song... All my life, you have been faithful. Every time we sing that song, I'm so reminded of that in my own life. Uh, you know, so we don't think of that some, uh, very often, do we? we? Go through a challenge. I'm on, I'm on. I go through a challenge, and I just I think it's the worst thing that's ever happened to anybody in the world. You know, where's God? <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. But then I can sing a song that says, all my life, I have, you have been faithful. Man, here I stand. It's a testament to that. Absolute testament to that. Hey, again, I will say, as Tony did, happy Father's Day to all of you dads. Yay, it's your day. I hope you got a dozen roses and dinner and everything for you today. What? What? Cake? I don't know, right? Cards and all that. Good. Being a father is a blessing. I had a great dad. My dad was very quiet, but he taught me several things. He taught me how to fish, and he taught me the fundamentals of baseball. You can't ask for much more than that, can you? So, yeah, I had a great dad, and uh, obviously, happy Father's Day to all of you here, all of you at home, all you dads that are watching. So happy to have you here. I also uh, wanted to share with you that uh, we had six more people. We had six people join our church last week at our uh, Discover Cochrane Community Church class. So, so thankful for all that God is doing around here. And, you know, joining a church is uh, uh, not going to make or break anything for you. It's not, but it does... uh, Move you to the next level of commitment in my eyes, right? It says that, hey, I'm committed to this church. It's my home. I love it, and I'm going to do what I need to do to serve the Lord there. And uh, that's what uh, church membership does. And, and I value church membership. I think it's a good thing. I really do. Some people don't, but I really do. And it does, of course, you know, just acknowledge your commitment to the church body for which you belong. And I also want to remember, remind you that if you are a church member here today, or you're considering church membership, you at home, or you are just regular attenders here, and you consider this your church, and you're not a member, that's okay too. I just want to let you know that we this church is doing great things. We have Camp for Kids coming up. Uh, this is a huge thing. So this is your event. Camp for Kids is your event. If you're part of this church, you're a member here, this is you are putting this on. And uh, I was thinking of... Uh, uh, the Monsing Center down there, if that's your place down there, if you're a church member, that's for us to get involved and to, to uh, make happen and to work. It's not for us to let other people do all the work when we are part of the same family. We are all in a family together. And uh, I used to have to take out the trash. My sisters had to do the dishes, you know, all of those things. We all serve in different ways in our family. And uh, your family here and your church puts on camp for kids. Your church uh, operates the Monsing Center. And, of course, sunlight over there. And uh, always consider which, where you can be a part of serving your family. So we thank you for those six people that have committed to church membership here. In, in, that's a, a great thing. But we are going to continue today with our series, 
uh, washed, which I just have really enjoyed so far as we've uh, started it last week. I shared last week about how I got baptized in the world's largest baptismal, you know, the Jordan River flowing down in that thing. And my mom was a little, <laughs> who was I talking to, Tia? My mom was a little dot on the screen in that picture that I showed of that giant baptismal. And then there's me. I couldn't even see up over the flowers as I was being baptized, but uh, it worked. Lots of people were baptized in that place. Lots of people. And I would guess you remember your baptism if you've been baptized. I guess you remember that. I don't think it's something that we forget. We always remember that. I remember where I was, what, you know, all of that. Stuff I remember uh, where you, the the place behind the scenes, which I had never seen before, where they had changing rooms, and then you walk down those scary steps, and you're surprised that the water was warm, all of that. So you probably have your own memories here or at home of baptism, and it's so important important that we talk about it in this series, "Washed New Life in Christ." Um, and we're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew today, chapter three. If you have a Bible with you, please turn there, Matthew chapter three. You at home, get your Bible out. I'm going to say, yes, we put these on the screen, but you know what? Your Bible is worth getting out, opening up, searching, and finding the place where we're going to be. It's worth doing that, even if it's uh, on your device. Get your device out and do the same. So I would rather you do that than just rely on the screens because, uh, hey, it's worth working for, okay? Let's review just a little bit what we talked about last week. Um, we looked at the story of John the Baptist, that guy. He was baptizing people in the wilderness. He was kind of weird, right? Just said he ate locusts and stuff and honey and lived in the wilderness. And he, and he like, wore camel's hair stuff. You know, he's kind of a strange guy, one of those. But he was just all over the... He's in the Bible for a reason, wasn't he? And, and, the, and the points that we had last week were really important for us to remember this, right? And, and I want us to make sure we know, and I'll probably reiterate this every week, and uh, but that's okay. It's that, um, you know, to baptize means to ceremonially cleanse with water. That's what it is. Ceremonially cleanse with water. Part of a ceremony. Baptism is a ritual of the Christian faith. And an ordinance, as we said last week, of our Lord. An ordinance, which is a symbolic observance commanded by Jesus. A symbolic observance commanded by Jesus. And we can think of communion in the same way. Do this in remembrance of me, if you know those words. Two things we learned last week that are really important as well. Is one, number one, I want you going to have you write this down again. Baptism will not save me. Okay? No, 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 no. I talked a little bit about infant baptism last week. I had a bunch of stuff here in my notes, but I'm not going to... Beat that to death, because I think you know that. Uh, if you heard me last week talk about this, uh, we don't believe in uh, uh, that infant baptism saves you. And we won't preach that here or teach that here, because uh, uh, you can't repent of your sins and understand your need for a Savior when you're a baby. Somebody else has to do that for you. And uh, the Bible does not, in fact, record any instances of infant baptism. You know, it says, yeah, they brought their uh, children to him, but it doesn't say, and then he baptized them in the Jordan or anything like that. Acts chapter 2, Peter says to the presumably adult crowd, repent and be baptized. You can't do that when you're this big. So that we don't, we don't preach that anyway. And also for adults, being baptized in it as an adult does not save you, okay? You're only saved because of what Jesus Christ has done. And when you believe that, when you understand that you are unable to make yourself right with God apart from what, from what Jesus Christ has done for you through his life, death, and uh, resurrection is the only way you are saved. Baptism will not save you, okay? 
So we've got to make sure that we remember that. Um, and then why? Number two, why? Baptism is an outward expression of an inward transformation. John Piper said an inward reality. We'll write that under your notes if you'd like. An inward reality because it's reality. An outward expression of the transformation of your inward self. Your sins are forgiven. White as snow, white as snow, right? You know the song? As far as the east is from the west, all of those things. So baptism is, baptism is an outward expression of an inward transformation and a symbolic observance commanded by Jesus to let the world know. An emblem, I love this, an emblem of burial, resurrection, and cleansing. That's really a, a good definition of that. I need to make sure that we understand that as we move forward in this baptism series. And I, I, I think you're getting it, but I will keep bringing that up in case you uh, miss any of these, which you're only allowed to miss one service all summer. So there's that. I started that in 2017 when I got here, right? You guys are allowed to have one Sunday off for the whole world. It didn't work either. Nobody listens to me. We learned then that John the Baptist was preaching a baptism of repentance what? For the forgiveness of sins. Because it was important for Jewish people to be ceremonially, there's that word again, ceremonially clean. All right, all right, I got to go, go to the temple, but uh, I touched uh, you know, a, a dead animal, so I got to be ceremonial cleansed, whatever it would be. They had all kinds of reasons. But John's baptism was different than that. It signified much more than that. He's preaching change of mind, change of heart, a turning away from sin, a repentance. Right, a turning away from sin. That's what repentance means. You know, I, I will not, I acknowledge what I did wrong and I will turn away from that. Turn away, repent. That means that. I'm going in that direction. And we ended with this last week from Mark 1. Look at this. This was his message, John the Baptist. After me comes the one more powerful than I. The straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. Boy, ain't that the truth. He says, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. How did he know that, right? So there's that Old Testament, right? He, he knew his stuff. So that's how we ended last week. But guess what? Who comes walking along? That guy that he's talking about. Now, we're going to be Matthew chapter 3, starting in verse 13. Let's see what happens. We'll see about this guy that comes after that John the Baptist was talking about. Verse 13, five short verses for us today. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? And Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. And John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. I love that story. I love that little, those little five verses right there. It's so cool. This is my son who I'm well pleased. I love, gosh, just to have been there in line with the rest of the Jews, you know, waiting for my ceremonial cleansing. 
and see Jesus come walking along. I assume he got in line like everybody else, right? Like he's getting on the uh, Millennium Force over at Cedar Point. I don't think Jesus cut, cut. I don't know, you know, making stuff up. But in the previous two chapters of Matthew, we learn about genealogy, Jesus' birth, the wise man, King Herod trying to kill the babies, you know, this stuff. Uh, Joseph, Mary, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph moved to Egypt to get away from the king. They come back again after his death. So I'm estimating and I'm making this up too. Let's just say 25 years later, all right? Because we don't know how old Jesus was when he went to Egypt during that. We know his ministry started when he was 30. So here he is. John the Baptist is in the wilderness. John the Baptist is the link between the Testaments. I love that Old Testament prophecy come to life. God's silence is broken after 400 years. And here in chapter 3 of Matthew, Jesus is now on the scene as an adult. Figure that. Now we can read elsewhere. We can read in Luke chapter 12 that Jesus is 12 years old at the temple, but Matthew doesn't record that. Matthew just has going to Egypt, coming back, as however old he was, it doesn't say, then coming onto the scene to be baptized by John the Baptist. What's he doing? You know, here he is. Jesus is identifying with his people. It's like, hey, I'm one of you. Jesus is God in the flesh, right? I think that's funny. He's God in the flesh. He, could, he didn't have to go with all the other people and be baptized and wait in line, right, or whatever it was that he did. No, he wanted to identify with his people, and here he comes to do this, right? 25 years, so whatever that is. And, I, and, and what it says here is that then, if you look at the first, first word of verse 13, then. Now, the Greek signifies that as this whole baptism thing was going on, as this whole baptism, so Jesus didn't come later. He didn't have a private baptism thing. I should have mentioned that a minute ago, but I didn't. Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. And like I said, he was identifying with his people, for one thing, right? But look at this. Look at verse 14. John the Baptist says, it says, But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Think about this. What does this imply? This implies that John the Baptist knew who he was, for one thing, right? In uh, other Gospels, John the Baptist says, Behold, the Lamb of God, when he sees Jesus. He acknowledged that the person whose sandals he was not worthy to untie was coming, and only Matthew records John's opposition that we just read. Only Matthew says, records this. I need to be baptized by you. I don't want to baptize you. And Matthew records it. John's words here make it clear that he knew who Jesus really was. The one who would, be, uh, who would baptize with the Holy Spirit is recorded in the Gospel of Mark. And maybe John, maybe John also recognized that uh, Jesus didn't qualify for the baptism that he was doing here. Wait a minute. I'm baptizing for the repentance of sins. You don't have any sins in your life. I don't need to baptize you. You need to baptize me, dude. I mean, what's, what's the scoop here? He didn't get it. You know, this isn't working. So there's several reasons, right? Maybe John recognized that Jesus didn't fit the requirements since his baptism was for sin. And Jesus responds. This is really good. Jesus doesn't even get snarky. All right, look. Look what he says. And Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us, me and you, to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. That word again. So Jesus is like, 
I get where you're coming from, dude. I mean, really, that's what it's, that's what it's like. I get where you're coming from, dude. You know, I, I understand what you're saying, but let's do this anyway. Let it be so. Let, let it be so now. <clears throat> he said, you got to do this to fulfill all righteousness. We got to do this. And, and what's righteousness? It's a churchy word. Jesus, by the way, this is Jesus' first words uttered in Matthew. Okay, you could look at uh, Luke where he says, I need to be about my father's business and be in my father's house where he's at the temple. But no, Matthew, this is Jesus' first words, which are what? Let it be so now. It's proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness, speaking to John the Baptist. Righteousness, a churchy word. And one commentator put it this way. Jesus felt it appropriate that in baptism, he identified himself, as I said a minute ago, with those Israelites who were coming to be baptized into repentance. For one thing, he's identifying with them, okay? But there's an even deeper meaning. Because baptism for Jesus was also a ritual, just like it is for us, symbolizing the way in which he would fulfill God's plan against man's sin. Jesus comes, he gets baptized, he's identifying with his buddies. I'm sure a whole bunch of people knew him. And he gets in line, I'm saying, I'm making that up. Maybe he did, I'm just imagining there's a line of people waiting to get baptized. And Jesus shows up and he's in line, right? And so he's identifying with his friends. Like, oh, what are you doing here, Jesus? You know, I haven't seen you in a while. And uh, so there he is, he's, he's uh, 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 identifying with Israel, with Israelites, God's chosen people. And he's also going through a ritual that will symbolize the way in which he will fulfill God's plan against our sin. Told you when I was baptized, pastor, buried in the likeness of Jesus' death, raised in the likeness of Christ's resurrection. He said that every Sunday, every baptism Sunday, and I'll never forget it. And, and uh, I think I probably say it too because it, it just makes sense. And, and, and here's Jesus at his baptism and he's doing this and this is amazing. Here's a really good explanation I found from a commentary. Another good way to look at it. His immersion is typified by his baptism in the waters, listen to this, of God's judgment at Calvary. His emergence from the water, I like immersion and emergence. His emergence from the water foreshadowed his resurrection. By death, burial, and resurrection, he would satisfy the demands of divine justice from his father and provide a righteous basis being made right by which sinners could be justified. There you have it. This immersion typified his baptism in the waters, typified his waters, God's judgment at Calvary. Why is Jesus' baptism important? And why does it matter? Why is it in the Bible? Well, we just learned a couple of things. We'll look at this. Number three, it shows his obedience and gives a glimpse into his future, doesn't it? It shows his obedience and gives a glimpse into his future. Righteousness, to be made right, to be made clean, holy, righteous, only happens for you and me because of Jesus' death and resurrection. You get that. Just talked about that a minute ago. It's not baptism that makes us right with God. It's Jesus' death and resurrection. The act of baptism reminds us of his future which we identify with when we are baptized. And then obedience, right? What's that all about? Paul says Jesus was obedient even to death on a cross. 
We know that Jesus was obedient when he walked up the hill to Calvary carrying a cross on his back. That was obedient. We know that. And here at his baptism with John the Baptist, he does what he needs to do. Shows his obedience and gives us a glimpse into his future. And I bet Jesus knew the significance of this baptism. Wouldn't you guess that? He didn't need to be baptized. First of all, he was Jewish. He was a Jew. And and he, he would have went out, maybe, and did what everybody else was doing, to be baptized, baptized by John the Baptist, had he not been the Son of God. But he didn't need to do that, but he did. And I would uh, hazard a guess to say he knew what that symbolized for his future to come. And I love baptism. I love talking about it and preaching about it and studying it and all that it is. I was able to baptize both of my kids in a swimming pool in Texas in a backyard. You guys thought it was hot the other day, right? So it was 90-something anyway, and our, the church didn't have a baptism like this one. So we did a bab- baptism at a swimming pool at a friend's house, and it was awesome. Me and, a, and a pastor from the church, me and another pastor from the church. It was great. And um, so I love baptism, even from my scary baptism to being able to baptize others as a pastor. I was doing a wedding a couple years ago. We were down in Columbus. It was before I came here, actually. And what's really cool when you are a pastor, you may, you know, is when uh, 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 somebody calls, when your best friends, one of your best friends or very good friends, uh, children call you and they say, hey, would you officiate our wedding? I mean, that's like, you know, when your friend's child calls you and asks you to, on their own, and ask you to officiate their wedding. You're like, you know, first of all, like, they had to put the phone down and do one of these things, you know. <laughs> okay, so that was so cool. But then what was even cooler, what's even cooler is it moves along is a couple of years later, one of their other children called me and said, hey, would you officiate our wedding? So I put the phone down again, you know, did one of these things, officiated that wedding. A few years later, their third child called and said, hey, would you officiate our wedding? And that just is such an honor, just an honor, a crazy honor. But for one of the weddings that we had to go to Columbus, Ohio, uh, where the wedding was going to be, and we were going to be there for the whole weekend. And uh, we had the rehearsal dinner on Friday evening, as you normally do. And we're at the rehearsal dinner, and they're all good friends of ours. And they're talking, uh, some of the wedding party, way younger than us, of course, are talking about being baptized and what that means. And there's me, you know, my ears go baptism. My ears perk up and I'm listening in. Somehow it comes to me about being baptized and the bride and groom were talking about it. And I, I can't exactly remember the story, but the next thing you know, a lot, five or six people in the wedding party and in the room decide they, they want to be baptized. Well, we're in Columbus and it's November. Okay. So um, I don't live there. I don't have a church or anything there. So it's like, what are we going to do? And somebody said, there's a swimming pool at the hotel. Yeah, that's yes, there is, a, but it's November. The swimming pool was closed. So we go back to the hotel, and it was an indoor pool, but it was closed. It wasn't heated. It wasn't anything. And the people at the hotel say, said, uh, go for it. Do whatever you want. You know, the water's like 40. I don't Go do whatever you want. So what did we do? Here's a picture right here. Here's one of them. There's me baptizing my niece, who happened to be at the wedding as well, in a 40-degree swimming pool at a hotel which was amazing. And then here's the next picture. Here we all are afterwards. Isn't that something to be able to do that? So we had a massive 
group baptismal service at a hotel, in a hotel, freezing hotel pool for this wedding party. And it was just amazing and one of the best things I've ever witnessed in my life. And uh, we still talk about it to this day. We have pictures of it and everything. And my, my friends from Columbus didn't get baptized for salvation, okay, because we cleared all that up before I would even do it. I won't baptize somebody that thinks they're going to get saved but they got baptized. They got buried into the water, raised out of the water to signify the cleansing from sin brought to us by Jesus' real death and resurrection. Where are you with this? Where are you with your own baptism? Where are you? Two things here. Never forget what baptism truly signifies for you. Never forget the importance of your own baptism. And if you haven't been baptized yet, let this be your prompting to follow Jesus' example. You here at home, let this be your prompting, if you have Jesus as your Savior, to get baptized. Now, the end of verse 15 says this, Then John consented. John says, hey, Jesus, I know who you are. I, you know, behold, the Lamb of God, he says in other gospels, I know who you are. I can't baptize you. The heck? Jesus says, yeah, it's cool. Let's do this. Verse 16. Oh, this is good right here. I, gosh, I want to be there. I just have a vision of it in my head. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God, look at this, descending like a dove and alighting on him. Stop there, descending like a dove. You know what I have? I have this vision. You know, we've all seen movies of Jesus being baptized. Can't you just see him coming out of the water in slow motion, right? And his hair flopping around wet and water going everywhere in slow motion. Then heaven opens up. I have that, you know. But the thing is, there's no actual mention of the dunk, of the going in. Did you notice that? Because the story continues after that fact as he's coming up. The death is important, but the resurrection is more important, isn't it? We would have stayed under. It wouldn't have been finished. As soon as he comes out of the water, at that very moment, get that, as soon as he comes out of the water, there's no break, there's no, you know, oh, he took a breath, you know, nothing. As soon as he comes out of the water, at that very minute, heaven was opened up. What is that? Okay, what is that? Well, if you, you can read this same thing in Ezekiel 1.1. It, it's a, a vision, more, more likely a vision, metaphorical for a vision in the Old Testament. Who knows exactly what Jesus saw when we, when we read this? But guess what? Only Jesus saw this. It says he saw it. It says, uh, at that moment, heaven was open, and he saw, so we can only assume that he saw it and not anybody else. Maybe they did, descending like a dove and alighting on him. What's that? What's this dove thing? Jesus saw the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, descend like a dove. Like leads us to metaphor again, doesn't it? Like a dove, not, and then he saw a actual dove come from heaven and land. No, it's like a dove. It's metaphorical. Maybe they're talking about the form of the Holy Spirit was dove-like, the way it came down. Maybe the way it alighted on Jesus was dove-like. Who knows? But however that worked, we know this. This event marks Jesus as anointed with the Holy Spirit and declares him Messiah. Marks Jesus as anointed with the Holy Spirit 
and declares him Messiah. It's important. The prophecy about this was written 700 years earlier. Look at this, Isaiah 11, 2. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, Jesus. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. Look at that, 700 years earlier. This is good stuff, isn't it? Why is baptism important? Look at this. Okay. All right. But wait, but wait, but wait. God shows up, verse 17. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. So now we have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit at Jesus' baptism. The Trinity. The whole family shows up. The whole family shows up. Again, look at this, the new Bible commentary, put it this way. Jesus was thus commissioned as a messianic king, and his status as son of God was declared on no less an authority than that of God himself. No less authority. I told you a minute ago that the heavens opened up, and he, Jesus, saw that happen, right? And Jesus saw the Holy Spirit. We don't know if everybody else did or not. But here, God is speaking to everybody here. Right? He didn't say, I'm pleased with you, son, so that only Jesus hears it. God's words are directed at everybody, at, at, at others, even you and me. This is my son. And it's like, do not miss this. This is my son. And we can't miss this. 2,000 years later. Because Jesus Christ is indeed the son of God, and that's what we see here. So the commission of Jesus' ministry happens at his baptism, and off he goes in uh the writings of Matthew to be tempted into, in the desert to be tempted right away. So his baptism shows his obedience, gives a glimpse into his future. And finally, number four, it's an example for us. There's our example. An announcement to the world that his ministry was beginning. That goes for us, too. Aha, let's circle back around, an outward expression. Jesus' baptism was public, of an inward transformation for you and me. Jesus announced to the world that his ministry was beginning, and so do we when we come up out of the water, right? It's an announcement. It's an, it's a, a, an outward uh, expression of our inward transformation, so the world may know. And Jesus goes right to work, and we got to go right to work as well. And if you're professing your salvation to the world through being baptized, you better make something of it. It means a lot. Better make something of it. It's an example for those watching you as well. Jesus got to work. And you can say, well, yeah, but he's Jesus. Yeah, he's Jesus. He got to work. But he gave us a charge. Go unto all the world, preach the gospel, and baptize. And that's not a suggestion, is it? It's not a suggestion. But you've got to have Jesus as your Savior first, don't you? And I always got to talk about that. Have you made Jesus the Lord of your life? What does that mean? Go be baptized? No, uh-uh, no. 
It means understanding why all of this happened, why he came. He came because God loves you like crazy, but you're sinful. We're full of sin, all of us here at home, all of us. So he either wipes us off the face of the earth like he did with Noah and the ark, or he gives us another opportunity to be made right. And that opportunity was him looking at at our sin and putting it all on Jesus, our mistakes, our issues, putting it all on Jesus, killing him as a punishment for you and for me. But he came out of the water, figuratively, right? He came out of the grave, defeating all of that so that we could have eternal life in heaven with him. You get nothing else today to get that at home. If you think you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life or you've done so today or you at home, let it, we got, let's talk about it. Come down here, let's talk about it. Leave us a note at home. I want to end with this. I could be wrong. But when you got baptized or when I got baptized or when you're, you're going to get baptized, maybe God looks down and he says, I am well pleased. Let's pray. Don't even know what to say. Thank you, Lord, for just my, who you are and what you've done and the example that you have set before us. Wow. Oh, to be there that day. Well, we couldn't be there, so you wrote it down and saved it for us 2,000 years later. Detailed details. Detailed explanation of what happened the day that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was baptized. Man, thank you, Lord. I pray that all of us are just burned in our hearts with how important this ritual really is. It's important to you or you wouldn't have put it in there. It's important to you or or Jesus wouldn't wouldn't have even bothered. What's the point? We know from the thief on the cross dying next to Jesus that you could still get to heaven without being baptized, Lord. But we also know that it's a command of our Savior. Repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. How can we not want to? Thank you, Lord, for uh, this baptism being such a great example of what happens to us and what happened to Jesus when he was buried in the grave and then rose out of the grave, water being the cleansing agent. What a great example. What a great way to look at it. Lord, I pray, first of all, for salvations, as always, for people to make this, to be right with you through what Jesus did, to make a commitment to Jesus as their Savior, and then a commitment to baptism if that hasn't happened yet. If we have been baptized, may we never forget that moment. May we never forget what that signifies. Bless the rest of our time today, Lord, as we sing one more worship song to wind out this beautiful Father's Day, this Sunday at church today. So in your son's name we pray. Amen. Stand. All that in your heart. All that in your heart. 
We hope you found this week's episode relevant and encouraging. We just want to say thanks so much for taking time to listen. And if you'd like, please feel free to share it with a family member or a friend. We would really appreciate it. If you'd like more information about Cochrane Community Church, go online and visit ccubchurch.org. Well, that's all the time we have this week, but we would love for you to join us back here next week as we continue to see what it looks like to live a countercultural lifestyle for God. And from all of us here at Cochrane Community Church, we just want to say that we pray that God blesses your faithfulness. We'll see you back here next week.